See, Alanis, if you're listening in, that's irony. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. And then there were two. Like a man sucking on his toes, Wales and Germany have tasted defeat. And like that same man sucking on his toes, they have realised that don't taste too good. As for France and Portugal, they're just 90 minutes away from triumph or tears. Here to look back at the semis and make wild predictions about the final is Paddy Higgs. Hello. Nico Durbin. Hi. Andre Gonzalez. Hello. And Manfredi Miyashida. Hey. So a packed pod it is, but there's so, so much to talk about. Let's start with Yogi Love. After the game last night, he said that his side were the better team, that they did not deserve to lose. And Tony Kroos reckoned it was Germany's best performance of the tournament. Nico, what did you make of all that? Um, let's start with Kroos, because that's bullshit. I don't want to measure the performance just by possession and so on. At the end of the day, what counts is the result, right? So if the result is not correct, you can wipe your, you know what, with a good performance. Um, Yogi Liv was right, though. They were the better team. They had control over the match, right? As much as you can have control over a match playing against France. So it was, from the beginning, I think it was clear, and it was my biggest fear that um, if... France were to win this game, that would be because of individual mistakes or uh, after a free kick. Um, and that's at the end of the day why we all like football so much, you know, because there is room for some random uh, situations. Yeah, I totally agree with Nico, actually. I think Lerv actually got his tactics spot on last night for, for the most part. Um, but You were happy enough with the selection then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he was just let down by, by individual mistakes or bad luck. I mean, you look at uh, Boateng going off, that was crucial. Um, Schweinsteiger's decision to go full Superman in the penalty area. Um, and then for that second goal, you can split it between Kimmich, I think it was Huvedes maybe, oh, sorry, Mustafi and Neuer, who for some reason thought that he could catch that on the bounce if you look at the way he gloved that um, and all three of them could have avoided that goal but all three of them conspired to put it in so I think Lerv actually did everything he could perhaps except for bringing on Goetze when he did I think there were probably better options off the bench to change the game but you know it was just one of those nights for Germany I think if they were still playing now they still wouldn't have scored What would you have gone for instead of Goetze? I, put, I think probably Schuller just to break things up to add some pace um, you know it's been a long tournament uh, the French um, the French defence probably could have been stretched by someone with who was a bit more direct and a bit more focused in their running. Um, we've mentioned individual mistakes, Nico. Yeah. And we've talked about a little bit about where else it went wrong. But is there anything else you want to pinpoint? Um, I think, unfortunately, I have to say it at this point that the glory days of Basti Schweinsteiger are over for the German national team. Um, Emre Chan did a good match. He's a good Backup for Kadira, we saw now. He can play central midfield in Germany. You think so? I'm not convinced by Emre Chan. I think I think if the, the bringing Chan in would have been the only change that Löw would have had to do for that match, um, he would have just played his role fine. Um, but there were too many inconsistencies between the matches that we had. So that's why Chan was questionable in that match. He had good situations and bad situations. Um I, I want to point out how good Özil was, though, because yeah, agreed. Yeah. he was, for me, the best man after Griezmann at the end, who who has to get the credit for best man of the match. But Özil played yep. so well. Agreed. Yeah, especially in the first half. 
in the first half he was mm. uh, incredible i think in, in the first half he was the best man yeah. on yeah. the pitch yeah. 100%. Yeah. but then on the second half you know Griezmann um showed some magic yeah. so you think we're seeing the end of bastian Schweinsteiger in a in a Mannschaft jersey yes so yeah i think so i think um it was absolutely right that he played this tournament it was right um that Löw played him um, and he did a good job, but I don't see any um, upside coming from here. Like he's not getting better. It's two more years uh, until the next big tournament. And we see that we don't need a new generation of players right now, but we need two to three players that make the next step and and, and, and fill that gap. I tell, tell you what you really need. A striker. Yeah, a striker. But hey, I, you know, when we when we talked about this podcast, I told you we maybe should have picked one number nine more and not just Mario Gomez, uh, Gomez, right? And I looked up who could that number nine have been. I didn't find anyone. Mm. Pierre-Michel Lazoga? No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I, there's no one. Yeah. There's no one. There's a Kevin Folland. He's not a number nine. There is um, Max Cruz from Wolfsburg, who's not a number nine. Andy Schürrle is the closest we get to a number nine. And Thomas Müller certainly is not a number nine either, one has to say at this point. Well, see, I would have played Schürrle as the number nine. Maybe. I wouldn't. I think yeah, that's that's I my know. disagreement with, with Lowe's selection. I think I would have played Schürrle because to mm. me, Muller's not... I mean, Muller hasn't been in form for the last two months uh, of this season, although he's spectacularly well before that. He looks exhausted I from what I see. I and I would have left him where he can cause chaos. Uh, he's not, like as we were saying, he's not a player who can play with his back to goal no. and hold up the ball. No. It, it doesn't suit him playing as a number nine. Schürrle can do it a bit more Probably, I think. But please, I, I wouldn't have started Schuler as a number nine because we have never played him as a number nine in the national team, really. Um, the players around him don't really know how to play with him. You see mm. it with Götze. When Götze is in, he doesn't get a ball. Götze is never a number nine, though. He, he was in for 12 minutes until he had his first touch, I think, yeah. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Müller starting there was the, the right decision. We know that... Thomas Muller is not in form or was not in form in this tournament. Um, and, of course, he missed... A, you know, there's a couple of headers that he didn't quite connect with, a couple of other things. But I actually think from a team perspective, he played the role that he needed to last night. And and that's why we saw Ozil play really well because he knew where Muller was going to be and he knew where the space was going to be. It, he just did the team job last night and I think, actually, it was his best performance if you scratch beneath the surface. I, I do agree that it was the right decision. At the same time... Um let me put it that way. I hope that we never have to make that decision again. Fair point. Yeah, I think it's, as uh, somebody writing in the Guardian put it, it was ten thousand spoons, and all they needed was a knife. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've been quoting that uh, song a lot this week, haven't you? Oh, do not get me started <laughs> on this song. It's a good song. It's a terrible song. It's a classic. No, no, no. It's yeah, terrible. It's a classic. And Alanis well, Morissette's a hit machine, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't even know where it's. I know. I feel. I feel like you're trolling me. No, not at all. Not at all. I think Nico and I've had a good rock out in the car. Yeah, yeah. Once to Alanis Morissette's greatest hits. Yeah, it went for like at least thirty-five minutes. You are joking. No, (laughs) it's it's a typical karaoke song. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's all you need. Back to football. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah, Let's get back to football. Um, Will we have a little chat about the penalty? Does anybody still think it wasn't a penalty? 
Um, I'm looking at you, Nico. <laughs> I will say, by the rules, it is a penalty. Yes. The so, only thing. So therefore, it's a penalty. It it is a penalty. Yes. It, I mean, the moment a player takes advantage of touching the ball with his hand, it is a foul. No matter if he tried to or whatever, you know, it is a foul. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and that's actually what Yogi Löw said as well after the match. I am questioning the interpretation of um, that rule when it comes to um, penalties. Because outside of the box, there are situations where referees give or used to give indirect free kicks for some sort of uh, hand play, right? So it's just so radical to give a penalty away for a situation that didn't cause uh, immediate danger on the goal. Even if Schweinsteiger would not have won that one-on-one, -on -one, that header, in whatever way, there was no direct yeah. chance created. But the, the, And he did not pluck a shot or whatever. You know well, what I mean? He sort of did. But but the rule uh, with, um, you know, the uh, indirect free kick uh, with a handball, it's over. I know. It was it was over, I think, four or five years ago. The international board changed that. So I know. now if you if you do handball anywhere, it's a, a direct free kick or, in this case, penalty. And they, and they did that to uh, protect the referees, which is fair enough. And yeah. to not have any gray areas and so on. I understand that. But I just think that... And it's not just because of yesterday. It's just so frustrating if you've <laughs> ever played football yourself, if you're passionate about something and you watch it, to get a penalty for that sort of hand where you just somehow touch it. It's, ah, it's just but surely, so shit. Surely a player like with the experience of Shine Cycle shouldn't, shouldn't jump like that in the box. I mean, it was so like not yeah. coordinated. I mean, you see players... Yeah try and climb on yeah. each other outside but you, you're right I think in the box in the area you're just leaving yourself open for, for that you know you're taking that risk when you're putting your hands out and, there, yeah, and I actually sort of disagree I think I mean there weren't too many good angles for this penalty like let's be honest it took a long time for us to look at it again and again and again I actually think that Evers ever got the header and headed it onto Schweinsteiger's hand correct me if I'm wrong yeah, I don't know yeah. who was first. And I don't know if that header was going to go on goal, but I, th I think that for me was a key as well. If it had maybe hit head and hand at the same time or something like that, maybe it might have been a bit different, but it was at least going in the right direction. And I think that's probably why he chose to What play. I found interesting is that the French players looked as bemused as the German players. Yeah, yeah nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody quite understood. I mean, it was an amazing pickup from the ref, like to, you know, yeah. 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 to actually yeah. see that that had occurred. Was it, I, was I think it the was, ref or I think the, it was the, the linesman? Yeah, perhaps one of the officials. Hence the confusion when it, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, what next for Yogi Love? Is he going to stay on, do we think? Well, he said that the the Euros 2016 uh, are just one step towards uh, winning the title 2018. So, and he has his contract. That's the reason why he has his contract until 2018. So, yes, he'll continue. He w wants to leave after 2018, I think. Um, but he wants to leave with a title. Okay, that's a lot of talk about Germany. <laughs> there was, of course, another team playing. And I think, Manfredi, you want to offer some words of praise about France? Yeah, I think, well, they played the game that people thought they could play, but weren't expecting. Like, they just, I think they got out of danger a lot in situations that, 
it kind of seemed like tiki-taka at times. Obviously not at those levels, but I think they showed a lot of quality in the middle, getting out of danger with some short passes, short, fast passes uh, between Matuidi, Pogba, Sissoko, even Griezmann got a bit behind and helped out the midfield. So I think on under that aspect, they played really well. Like they just, it was just fluid, you know, the, the game was fluid, it was fast. And um, they managed, the German midfield was a bit more static compared to obviously the French one. So in the midfield, I think obviously Germany had the ball more, but when France attacked, they managed to get to use a space well of the field and get out of danger. Uh, so under that aspect, I think France played really well, and then they they had the chances. Obviously, they got a bit lucky, but it it all went down to who took the chances in the end. And in Germany, just uh, France did. Yeah. Nico. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just realizing that it's it's easier to stay rational when talking about Germany than when hearing how France is praised for that win. I don't know. I don't want to sound too bitter here at that point, but I just think that they were really lucky ending the first half like that. And at the 44th minute, I would have put way too much money on a German win. And even second half, like... I said at halftime, Germany just needs to play the same game. They will score at some point. So and then, and then France got better in the second half. And that will I, I, I completely agree. First half they played seven good minutes. Second half they played very well. Last twenty minutes, like I think France started off really well. The first ten minutes they yeah, just great. attacked and they were real aggressive. Even Matuidi and Griezmann, the the, ch the first chance Griezmann ha had was just amazing. You know, like it was fast and one two like they did a couple one two there Matuidi and Griezmann and it was just me then they slowly faded away and and Germany got the ball and, and started making chances but I just think in the second half France started off strong again and they just took the chances obviously they got lucky but in, a, in, in the first half there was a, a key moment there was that half an hour that Germany completely dominated and they didn't score and it, it was they were dead after that They, they completely dominated. They had like three uh, clear chances. They didn't score. And then, bam, you had the the penalty. And uh, pff, it was terrible for, for Germany. And I want to say one thing. For the first time in all tournament, I actually felt the hand of Didier Deschamps yesterday. Oh, yeah. He did some <clears throat> pretty great uh, changes. He, he... You mean on you or on the team, by the way? Just to make that clear. <laughs> oh. It's a bit creepy if it was on you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm completely... Um, Yeah, um, I, I was true. surprised honestly <laughs> because I, I don't think Didier Deschamps is a, is a great manager. I'm far from that. But uh, yesterday he was really good. He, he, he made a, a great call starting with Sissoko. Umtiti was really, really uh, good. Uh, he was really good. Arguably the man of the match for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with uh, Umtiti yesterday, and uh, um, in the second half when he he, he picks Kante. Uh, into the into the pitch, right on the the spot on. It was it was the right moment to to put Kante on, and it, it was it was perfect. I was really surprised. I was not expecting such a, a clear reading of the match from Didier Deschamps. Do you know what my favorite moment of the match was? This is our final word. I promise on the on this game. My favorite moment of the match: Olivier Giroud running for that ball. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh, I forgot Benny Hovedis though. Yeah, it was, oh, it was a great tackle. tackle. Yeah. Arguably the tackle True. of the tournament from Hovedis. 
He knew it too, though. He got up oh. like he'd bloody, you know, just yeah. scored a hat trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the equivalent of a hat trick for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. a defender. Okay, so elsewhere, facing France will be Portugal after their win over Wales. I'll tell you where I want to start with this one Manchester United in the early 90s. Does anybody remember who played right back for Manchester United in the early 90s? Um, early, early. Dennis Irwin? No, that's left back. Left yeah. back, yeah. Yeah. Um, Former England international played in the 1990 World Cup for them. Gary Pallister. That was centre-back. Oh, I'm getting there. You're getting it there. It wasn't David May because he was always on the bench. Well, you know, I'm thinking more of the kind of 92, 93 era. <coughs> no, no, I'm out. No, nobody got it. Paul Parker. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. You're wondering what Paul's up to these days? He's in Asia or something like that, isn't he? Well, he's writing columns for Eurosport. Yeah, okay. And he's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's not so happy about Portugal making it to the final. Do you want to hear what he has to say about for it? For sure. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> if Wales had reached the final, it would have been great. I don't say that because I'm British, but because of the way they have gone about it. They have a great spirit and there's a real team ethic. Here's the best part. I can't find a good reason why Portugal winning the tournament would make me feel good about life or my Sunday dinner. <laughs> Portugal should think of that when they go out on, on yeah, Sunday they'll, they'll well. pin that one up in the dressing I'll room. Ruin Paul oh, Parker's well, yeah. Sunday dinner. So how, how do you feel about that one, Andre? I couldn't care less about what <laughs> Paul Parker thinks of, uh, of Portugal reaching the final. Um, we all know that uh, the, the performance of uh, the Portuguese team so far, it wasn't really beautiful. Um, it was really, really, really practical and cynical in some moments. Um, but really, this is the kind of... Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to, to, to write something like that. If, if, especially if you're, you used to be a professional footballer, you know how football works, you should add something else to your opinion. It's but, uh, being a professional fan, that's what that is. is that <laughs> yeah. you know, a professional angry fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's, the, what's the reaction been uh, like back home to Portugal making it to the final? Uh, people are completely insane, crazy. Um, in the beginning of the tournament, we thought, okay, if we managed to go to the quarterfinals, it would be acceptable. Uh, the semifinals would be great because uh, we usually go to the semifinals and we lose. <laughs> So getting into the final is amazing. Everyone is uh, really, really ecstatic with uh, the, the performance so far. Not the quality of the performance, but uh, I the think the results, the effectiveness. <laughs> uh, yeah. And there's been some interesting reactions around the world. Yeah, I've got uh, got some some friends in Dili in East Timor, of course, a, a former Portuguese uh, colony. And if hey, you've got friends where in Dili, in East Timor. Timor. I'm, did, I'm what, a man of the world. What did they do out there? What do they? What do they? It's do really close there? to Australia. Yeah, it? it is really close. Yeah, yeah. They well, are. They are Timorese. Yeah, yeah. Timorese well, Portuguese. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So and um, do they listen to the podcast? Uh, hello to all my friends in Dili. They do now. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I'll send them that. Um, no, they, they went after the especially the the last few wins. Um, everyone seems to have a moped in Dili, and um, they all go out into the street with their Portuguese flags and pretty much drive around. Dilly honking the horns and stuff. And, of course, you know, everyone's filming it, which is perfectly safe. Um, but uh, it actually makes <laughs> for some really good vision. And it just shows, I think, we were talking off air before, that there's little pockets of, of Portuguese communities around the world. Oval in London, you were talking about Canada. Yeah, yeah I saw some incredible images from uh, um, uh, Toronto. Uh, also in Venezuela and South Africa, Mozambique. So we're 
Uh, you know, Portuguese. That we are everywhere. In you the... got around, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah did you really got around. It did, yeah. didn't it? It's like the Irish. Yeah. You yeah. know, my favorite uh, Portuguese descendant, Nelly Furtado. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting, waiting for that. You're um, yeah. Should we chat a bit about the match? Yeah, we can do that. Where do you think it was won and lost? Uh, excellent uh, reading of the match by our. Uh, Boring manager. Um, <laughs> it, 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 no, it, it was really good on on this one, and uh, especially when there was a moment that Sam Vokes um, came in, and you know they really tried hard to get the ball into the box, and, and Danilo dropped twenty meters, and he played as a, a third center back. It was a great decision, and he did pretty well. Um, and uh, Adrien was really, really good again. You know, is the kind of player that you actually don't see, but if it's if if it's not there, you will miss it. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I also like our fullbacks, both of them. They were really, really involved with the, with the attack, both of them, uh, both Cedric and um, uh, Rafael. They did pretty well. That Ronaldo dude was good too, wasn't he? Ronaldo was good, also. Yeah. Did you wanna? You know, the way I like to give you guys some interesting stats <laughs> every week. I, I love that this moment. This is the business, best part of the podcast. Uh, I've got some brilliant stuff about Ronaldo and that goal, the header. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. 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 So he was at eight foot seven in the air when he headed the ball. Mm-hmm. This is about uh, how many centimeters? I'm sorry. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, eight foot. A lot. Uh, I guess it's over 200, right? No, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. Eight foot seven, of course yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's, well, that's well over 200. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. 2. What's 5. His, his, his head? Yeah, was, yeah, the top yeah. of his head. Yeah. 2.5. I think probably. he jumped around a meter up. Well, he leapt two so, feet and six inches from the ground. His hang time was 0.7 seconds. And his header was clocked at 44.3 miles per hour. That's incredible. That's incredible. incredible. It was almost a vertical jump too. I mean, you looked mm-hmm. when, you, when they had the camera from the corner of the net and everyone else was falling around and he just landed lightly on his feet and, and ran off and hugged Charisma. Yeah, his heading prowess yeah. is incredible. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. It looks yeah. like uh, um, some guy from um, volleyball just smashing, you know, right. close to the net. It was exactly like that. He just mm-hmm. did a vertical yeah. jump. Yeah. And he, a, I mean, he's a pretty tall dude anyway. It was like 6'1", 6'3". He's a uh, one meter and 86". I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. okay, Mike, next time we do this, can you get the, the metric table conversion <laughs> out for us? Yeah. Okay. So is is one eighty six. Where did it go? Where did it go wrong for Wales? Anybody want to have a word on Wales or heap some praise on Wales at all? I was pretty one sided. Just I don't know. Portugal played their first good match of the tournament. I think Wales just lacked in quality. Like they had. They didn't have much going forward, and they didn't have many solutions, they, ideas. They missed. They missed Ramsey. They missed Ramsey, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's just it was yeah. a, a lack of quality. I think and we have to praise uh, Wales, um, their their spirit, and uh, and Bale was incredible. Yeah. Bale yeah. did yeah. a great match. Yeah, he he, was, he, he he fought so hard. He was everywhere. You know, yeah. he was at left back. He was at right back. He was taking the ball from deep, and then all of a sudden, he's, it's like he's passing it to himself in the yeah. in the front half as well. So. Yeah, at one stage, I saw him pick up the ball in almost centre defence yeah. and run yeah. run half the yeah. pitch with it. Did but, anybody? But again, uh, the the work Adrian and uh, Renato did uh, with Ledley and uh, Joe Howland, it was really good. They they didn't have any space to create anything. 
Did anybody see the ball boy before the match? Yeah. Mm. yeah. I was my man of the match. I, yeah. <laughs> I liked how Ronaldo even smiled for the selfie with him and then gave him a hug. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it was the, you know, getting in, getting in the team photo was the best part. Yeah. 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 And even Ronaldo, I think Ronaldo with the selfie was a bit like, okay, mate, I'm, I'm you know, I'm in game zone now. It'd yeah. be nice if you leave me. And then when he turned around and looked at the guy next to the team, he was like, Ah, uh, fuck it. Actually, well done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Props. Yeah. Let's take a quick musical sting and then we'll come back and chat about the final, shall we? Yeah. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. So 18 years after facing one Ronaldo in a final in Paris, France are going to be coming up against another one, albeit one who looks at himself in the mirror a little bit more. One thing I meant to point out to you last time, guys, uh, in the last section was that when Ronaldo scored... He had an old cheeky glance at himself on the big TV. Of course, he wouldn't expect anything more or less. <laughs> or less, yeah. Um, one of the Wolfsburg players was saying that he spent a lot of time looking at himself uh, on the TV as well. Uh, I forget which Wolfsburg player it was. Ferinha, you mean for Portugal? Is is that what you're talking yeah. about? Or? No, when, when when Real Madrid were playing um, Wolfsburg in the uh, Champions League, okay. one of the players commented afterwards that yeah. Ronaldo spends an inordinate amount of time of the match looking at himself on the big screen. Just seeing where he went wrong, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Looking at those abs of his. Mm-hmm. Paddy, where do you see the, the key battles for this one? Yeah, well, we'll start with Ronaldo. And I think um, probably the the biggest battle that he's going to face or that he's going to provide in this match is, is against Koscielny. Um Umtiti was very uh, impressive, as we sort of touched upon yesterday. And I think he has the probably a bit more pace um, to match Ronaldo um, when he when he's driving forward. Whereas Koscielny has is, is shown that, well, he's not the quickest player. His reading of it's quite good normally, but he's also shown a few weaknesses in the air, I think, with, with France. And um, they've probably looked for him to be that leader, um, particularly from set pieces. And we were talking about Ronaldo's uh, set piece ability um, with his head, of course. So I think that, that, you know, there's a couple of elements, but I think uh, Koscielny against Ronaldo is going to be a key one for me. Andre, anything else you see as a sort of key battle for the match from a um, Portuguese perspective? Yeah, uh, controlling the midfield. Um French midfield is very, very muscled. Um, you, they, they're probably going to play again with uh, Matuidi, Pogba, and uh, Sissoko, and we're gonna we're gonna have a tough time to to stop those three. Uh, so uh, our our midfield need, need to be they need to be in a, in a superior level in order to stop them. Um, I don't think we're going to get the ball very often. I would say that it's going to be a match with a. 60-something percent of possession for, for the French team. So we're not going to have a lot of chances. And the the ones we're ha- going to have, we need to, to score. We need to convert them into goals. So you think Portugal will sort of sit back yep. and just look to hit France on the counter? Mm-hmm, definitely. I think you can expect Portugal to perhaps move it out wide quite early as well. Um, Guerrero, um, we've identified that he's been very good. Cedric's, as, as, as Andre said before, joined in with a lot of the attacks. And I think we've also identified that, that France's fullbacks are perhaps may, maybe their major yeah. question mark. So I would expect um, with Portugal keen to avoid the middle of the park because they might be outnumbered and, and outskilled there, um, outclassed, um, I think we're going to see Portugal be very content to move it out wide and hope to sort of A, soak up a bit of time and, and B, create some, some um, balls into the box that might cause France some trouble. Any selection dilemmas for Portugal ahead of this? I think the only one at the moment would be uh, William or uh, Danilo uh, to play as a, 
uh, defensive midfielder. Uh, the rest of the team, I think it would be exactly the same, uh, except from Pep, who's coming back. Um, Bruno Alves will, will, will sit on the bench. And how will Portugal cope without Bruno Oof, Alves? I have no idea. It's going to be so complicated. No, uh, <laughs> I was actually surprised with, uh, with Bruno Alves. He, he did a good match against Wales. He was really solid. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, no, with Pep... Uh, Bruno Alves is not is not going to play, and we're going to have uh, Pep and uh, Josef Font again. Uh, fortunately, I think they're the best the best um, couple to to play uh, as centre backs. Andre, a question for you because you you spoke about the the one selection question mark for Portugal. Griezmann likes to get the ball quite deep and sort of come in, in a bit of a messy way, um, and. William William really likes to sort of sit in that little zone and, and work around mm-hmm. um, and potentially could maybe get caught out. Do you think Danilo is then the better, you know, option? He's a bit more mobile perhaps? Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, Danilo would be better to stop Griezmann, but he, he, it would be wasting um, his time mm. on uh, a uh, man-marking style, mm-hmm. which is kind of an 80s thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, sometimes with Griezmann, that's the only way. Yeah. Uh, so I think that uh, right now, Fernando Santos is probably thinking that yeah. we should play with Danilo as almost a third centre back, mm-hmm. uh, playing like ten meters ahead of the, of, of the other of the other centre backs. Um, it might be the best choice, honestly. Uh, William, he has some other qualities. He's way better when it comes to. Uh, Passing mm-hmm. and uh, controlling the game, controlling the game, really offensive uh, transitions uh, is way better than Danilo doing that. But uh, as I said, I think we're going to sit back uh, and wait for France, and probably Danilo is the best best choice to do it. To, uh, at least to try and stop Griezmann. That would be one of the keys if we can stop Griezmann. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, we can do something. Yeah. Okay, Manfred, how about France? Any sort of selection dilemmas for them? I think France will line up more or less the same as they did against Germany. I think um, midfield-wise, although, as Andre said, they're superior, I think they should look at themselves a bit more now as well because Germ- uh, Portugal's midfield compared to Germany's has a bit more, with Danilo or William, a bit more muscle. And with Renato Sa- Sanchez, they bring a bit more energy as well to the midfield uh, compared to Kroos or Schweinsteiger. So now, as Matuidi, Sissoko and Pogba, they're, both pl- they're all players that go forward and like to attack, but now they have to look at themselves. So, so when the, another midfielder from the opponent team opponents runs at them and you know attacks, go through the spaces like kind of like Renato Sanchez does. So maybe they might think of putting Kante as well there, just to like break down the play a bit more. Um, so yeah, I think the only dilemma probably is in the midfield. Otherwise, I think it's it's more or less the you same. You think Umtiti will start? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Nico. Um. I actually think that they they will start the the same way to start against against Germany, but um, them being the favorite and they have to to make the game, um, they're gonna get in a lot of trouble. I think um, it's the strongest team so far that France uh, has to play against, which is gonna be uh, playing on counter attacks yeah. and reactive. Um, the other teams they had to face before, they were more reactive, were rather uh, lower class opponents. Um, and it's basically, yeah, I think Portugal will 
beat France with its own weapons, the same way France won against Germany. So your prediction is for a Portugal win? Yes. Paddy, yes, you, with, you with him on that? Same, 2-1 for Portugal. Um, I, Nico's spot on for me um, that uh, France have played a Portuguese way almost against Germany, give or take a few you know, different points. But now they are the ones that the game is going to come to, and and I don't haven't seen enough of them to for them to put that away. And I think Portugal is unfashionable and as unkempt as they've been at points. Um, they know how to win, whether it be ugly or, or pretty. Manfredi, I think Portugal will win as well. I think wow. extra time. <laughs> um, I wonder what Andre's going to say. This is almost a full house. No, well, hold on, you've, uh, got, you've got me to go. No. Yeah, I think they'll win an extra time, probably two one as well. Don't jinx it, Andre. Don't okay. <laughs> Andre, we're going to give you the f- final Does word on this one. Does he have to make one? a tip? Can he pass? No, he no, 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 no. No, um, yeah, I think France will take it. Oh, um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but I really appreciate you, <laughs> how optimistic you are. Um, no, but um, we have a, a mental block with France. I think the last time we beat never, France. Never it, beaten them in a competitive game? Never. Um, I think the last time we beat France, it was in the late 70s or something. So... Um, this mental block could be uh, a real, a re- really a big problem for us. And um, there's there's a good thing for Portugal. I think uh, France playing at home, uh, they're gonna be under a lot of pressure. If if it, they don't score an early goal, they could uh, make some stupid mistakes along the way. Well, in a boost to Portugal, because I always get my predictions wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go for France. <laughs> you have been oh. rubbish lately, haven't you? Oh, terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So congratulations, Portugal, on your Euro 2016 victory. <laughs> I will be the first to offer my congratulations. How ironic that would be that basically Portugal rewrites history as being the crease of 2016. Yeah. See, Alanis, if you're listening in, that's irony. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What a track. Uh, <laughs> that's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Nico, Manfredi, Andre and our producer Damien. We'll be back to review the final and the tournament on Monday. Go to iTunes, download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast and while you're there you should download One Football too. Thanks for listening.